Test, test. Am I on? Probably not. Test. Too low, too high, whatever. Yeah. I'm loud. Praise the Lord. That was awesome. Okay? I mean, I was just like Bob Newhart. Wow, you know? That's in the days of clean humor. You know, you can watch that as clean humor. And um, I'm, I want to just tell you I'm sorry already because she just broke ground. That was the most unconventional offering illustration I've ever seen. And so, you know, uh, you're in for a treat. If you're, like, in a hurry, forget it. <laughs> and she just did that, right, you know? If you wanted to just give your offering and move on to the sermon, you could forget that, you know what I mean? That's over with, all right? Praise the Lord. Are you hungry this morning? Are you thirsty this morning? Well, get your napkin and fork ready. Because I came ready to give, and hopefully you're ready to receive. Amen? John chapter 8, starting at verse 34. John chapter 8, starting at verse 34. This morning, I want to begin by talking to you about something you can give and something you can be. The something that you can give this morning is honor. The something that you can be is holy. The word honor is defined in this way. To hold in high respect or great esteem. The word esteem means to admire. And because of that, you adhere to what is right or to a conventional standard of conduct. Honor. And so there was a time when even criminals and unbelievers held the church as a place of honor, a place of great respect. There was a sense of what is right behavior on holy ground. The word holy is defined in this way, set apart, dedicated to God. And so if this place, that day, these people, that woman, child, if they are dedicated to God, you don't touch it. You had better not harm it in any way. There was even a time when women and children were considered by nature holy, deserving of honor. Not anymore. This morning, if you are a child of God and you have within you a code of conduct, at least you're supposed to. If you're a child of God, there's supposed to be within you a code of conduct. If the Spirit of God is in you, you have a way of existence that wars with your flesh and the spirit of this world. A code that honors the things of God. A life that strives to be holy. There is a way today that does not honor. There is a way today that does not honor marriage. There is a way today that does not honor family. There is a way today that does not honor the church. There is a way today that does not honor the Bible. There is a way today that does not honor God. And the question this morning is, do you? Do you hold the things of God in high esteem? Is there anything holy in you? Is there anything holy in your life. Maybe you've heard me talk about my, do you know my Bible has a testimony? Maybe you've heard me speak about my Bible. This is the only thing of value in my life. Tangible value. I value my wife, you know, but she's not a book. She's not something I can put my hands on and be like, you know, like this, this is right. right. I, don't, I don't have anything else. My children, my wife will let you know do not touch daddy's Bible. Don't touch it. 
I will loan you my gun, my rifle, my, my lawnmower, my weed eater, but I won't loan you my Bible. As a matter of fact, if I open my Bible next to you and show you something, I'm going to stand right there. If I put it in your hand, I'm going to stand right there while you open it up. Back in 1998, I believe, when I came back from Bosnia, I decided I needed a Bible for myself. I have never purchased a Bible for myself. Flipped through Bibles, looked at Bibles, but never went and bought one for myself. And I decided I needed to buy my own Bible. Why? Because I'm saved now. I'm changed. I'm a new creature. And I remember those days back in 1997, I didn't have a whole lot of money. And so I went in the Christian bookstore, and I remember this particular Bible was in a box. And I'd pull that box off off the shelf, and I'd open it up, and I'd flip through the pages. Now, of course, the price tag caused me to put it back in a box and put it back on the shelf. Couldn't afford it. I remember as a little kid, I'd go to the newsstand and take comic books off the shelf and flip through the comic books and put them back and take another one and take another one, wishing I had the money to pay for those comic books, but I didn't. I was just flipping through it. Well, that's how I felt. And every time I'd go to this Christian bookstore, I'd pull this Bible off the shelf and flip through the pages, not being able to afford it, and put it back. One day, I did the same thing as I normally do, and it was on sale. And I bought this Bible back in 1998-99. Two years ago, I rebound it. It has a, a neat new binding, and it's got, you know, for notes. In the back, I have a picture of my mom and dad. In the front, I have my, my wedding and my wife and me. This is holy to me. This is something I want to, you know, give to my, I hope they don't fight over it when I'm gone, my kids. You know, this is something I want to you know, fight over daddy's Bible. <laughs> Praise God. But they know it. They know it. They know that daddy's Bible is it. There's nothing else. There's nothing else I, I own more important. Whole house burned down. As long as this survives, I'm good. That's how I feel. That's what I mean. Is there anything holy in your life? Is there anything that you set apart as unto the Lord? 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do you know, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own? Romans 12, 1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 2 Corinthians 1, 1, as pertaining to the church, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. You see... The Christian is supposed to be holy, dedicated to God, honoring the things of God. Honor, holiness. Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord God is giving to you. 1 Samuel 2.30. This is a, 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 a prophecy about the uh, um, priest Eli. Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares... I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever, but now the Lord declares, far be it from me, those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me, excuse me, but those who despise me will be disdained. The word disdain means held in contempt 
rejection. Those who honor me, I will honor them. John 5, 22 and 23. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Honor, held in high esteem, respect. Romans 12, 9 through 10. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought as a price, at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so there's a battle we face this morning. A battle. Because if you're going to go out in our society, there is no honor. There is no holiness. And some of that is because we are facing that battle. Now, if you're not facing that battle, the Spirit of God is not in you or you are dead. My brother said, Amen. Ephesians 6.12 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But the reality this morning is we wrestle in flesh and blood. If you're a Christian this morning, your purpose is to yield to the Spirit of God and be holy, set apart for the work of the Lord. But so many who call themselves Christians live opposed to these things, honoring nothing, set apart for themselves, chasing after the will of the world, living in fear and unbelief, symptoms of a greater illness, bondage. I want to preach a sermon I've entitled Bondage on Hold. Out of John chapter 8, starting at verse 34. Praise God for the song service this morning. Know I'm on the right track because we sang this this morning. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this gathering of souls this morning. And I pray that you would have your way in this place this morning, Lord. Everything that we do, everything that I say, everything that goes on in this place, Lord, have your way, your will. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Bondage is defined as, if you don't know by now, I like definitions. I like getting it straight, you know. Bondage is defined as a state of being bound, usually by compulsion, as of law or mastery, such as captivity, bound by compulsion, captivity, servitude or subjugation to a controlling person or force, the state of being a slave, bondage. Now let me share with you that there are many forms of bondage. With a show of hands this morning, how many of you have ever been handcuffed? Wow, that's some boldness in there because I didn't say why you were handcuffed. I said, how many of you have been handcuffed? All right. Now, see the, see the hands. Okay, well, he's not asking why, so I guess I can raise my hand. I didn't ask you why you've been handcuffed. Lynn said, we all fall short. I'm not asking you why you've been handcuffed. I'm not asking you, have you ever been handcuffed? The truth is, as a security officer, I had to be placed in handcuffs if I wanted to carry them. And let me tell you, I didn't enjoy it. Being handcuffed in front 
is bad, but being handcuffed in the back is worse. You are vulnerable. You are exposed. And I learned something that as if you, you know, the, the handcuffs, they have a lock. And so if you don't turn the key just right and lock it in place, if you move around, it'll get tighter and tighter and cut into your skin. I learned that. I'm like, that yeah, that's, that's bad. That's bondage. How many have ever been maced? <laughs> you have never been maced, boy. Yeah, it's like, I, it burns. I had experienced that too. It burns. And you close your eyes thinking that the, the pain will go away. It just intensifies. And it burns all over your face. You get it on your clothes. It burns everywhere. All you want is water to wash this pain away. How many of you ever been zip tied? Wow, you playing. You're doing something. You, uh. <laughs> hey, check this out, dear. You know, yeah. It's an inexpensive way to bind someone. I learned that in Bosnia. We had to carry zip ties. Yeah, the little things that you use, that, yeah, little plastic things. Well, the thing about it is once you zip tie someone, that's it. It's not going off. And they make, they make them thin, they make them thick, so you're going to have to cut it off or, or, or break it off some type of way. And they are very, very, uh, very useful because you could... Tie, uh, zip tie someone's hands and feet. You can zip tie people together. I had to do that in Bosnia. How many have ever been sat upon? You know, John's probably telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> had that done to me too, not once but twice. Hazed twice while I was in the army. Took five of them to hold me down, but hold me down they did and duct tape me. Five of them. And so you see this morning, there are many forms of bondage. Many forms of bondage. When we are bound, we are restricted, held hostage, enslaved. Now that you have some idea, do you have some idea what it is to be bound? Yeah. The many ways, I want to talk to you, the many ways to be free. The many ways to freedom. I've heard it said we can never be free from our demons, but we can learn to live with them. I want to tell you that's a lie from hell. The problem is, sadly, that so many believe this this morning. Now, I'm not going to go into all the things that we can be bound up. I just gave you some physical examples showing you that there are multiple ways that we can be bound this morning. I'm not going to go into all that, but I will say this. The older I get, the more I see that within my flesh is the potential to be just as imprisoned as any other man. Lost in the dark fog of sin and every evil that exists in this world. The potential in my flesh. Now, you may not admit it, but for me, any murderer, any thief, any liar, any terrorist, any evil person you can think of, that can be me. And it might have been me if not for the love of Jesus Christ who set me free. But not for the love of Jesus Christ that set me free. Now, this morning, you may be saying to yourself, how many ways there are to be free? Well, I'm going to go over some ways that you can be free this morning. Like I said, I'm not going to go all the ways you can be bound, 
But I am going to go into some of the things that will set you free this morning for a time. The first thing is money. People think that if they get more money, they can be free from whatever binds them, whatever holds them hostage. I wish I had more money, more and more money. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. More money, for some, more problems. But money this morning will never set you free from the thing that binds you. The second is stuff. I say stuff. I wanted to say junk. But the more stuff we accumulate, it's the accumulation of junk. More stuff. If I get more stuff, if I get more cars, if I get a bigger house, if I get more clothes, if I get more, if I get more and more and more, it will keep me from my sin or keep me from my bondage or keep me from something else that I know I'm not supposed to do or where I'm not supposed to go if I get more stuff. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, watch out, almost as if it's a trap. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Worldly success. You know, worldly success, there's nothing wrong with that. But let me tell you, worldly success is nothing you can hand down. An example is something you can hand down. A successful life in Jesus Christ, a successful marriage, successful relationships in Christ, a successful witness, that you can hand down to your children. You see so many people in success in the world, maybe in business, maybe in money, but they fail in their home. They fail in their relationships. They fail in their marriage. Godly success is better than worldly success, but people think if I have more fame, if more people like me, if more people like my Twitter account or Facebook or whatever the case may be, that I'm successful. Mark 8, 36 says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? You don't care how many people shout your name. What does God say about you? What does your spouse say about you? What does your children say about you? This is success. And then there's work. If I work, if I give myself to my work, I'll be set free from my bonds. If I give myself to my work, if I work more hours and work more hours, John 6, 28, 29, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work that God requires is to believe Jesus. And yet we give ourselves to so many hours of work to have more success, to get more stuff, to get more money. An endless cycle. And then finally, hobbies. Now, you might not be on your list, but it's on mine. Hobbies. And no offense to you, Pastor, but I put golf. And no matter how good you are, Tiger has shown us golf will not set you free from bondage. But people think that they can be set free from their hobbies. If they have their hobbies, I don't care, basketball, uh, football, gambling, whatever it is, will set them free from their bondage. And it will not. We think that if we give ourselves to whatever it is, it will deliver us from bondage. And it will. 
for a time. Then it's possible that whatever you've achieved, whatever you're going after, will break the chains that bind? No. They will only serve to become a greater cage of captivity. Excuse me. Captivity. This morning. Jesus said, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. The answer is in what Jesus said. No permanent place in the family. If you are a slave, you have no permanent place. You occupy the same space. You're on the same property, but you are a slave. The son, the Bible says, belongs to it forever. There is a difference. There's a son and there's a slave. There's a slave and member of the family. And the member of the family is a member of the family forever, but a slave only there permanently uh, 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 for a time. He has no permanent place in the family. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the son sets you free, you'll be free. How many ways to be free this morning? One, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. If you are freed by any other means, it is nothing more than bondage on hold. Nothing more than that. It's temporary. It's a slave in the household, on the property, temporarily. The only way that slave becomes permanent is to be a member of the family. A member of the family. The Bible says when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. This is how it will be with this wicked generation. These are prophetic words for us still today. I believe we are set free from the inside as we are bound on the inside, inside the flesh, this house, our temporary dwelling place. But the scripture says the house was unoccupied and empty. I'll go even further. The Bible says it was swept clean and put in order. Swept clean, put in order, but empty. The things of this world will never fill the void in your house, in your flesh, in your existence. Only Jesus can make you whole this morning. John 14, 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Remember I asked, do you have anything in your life that you hold in high esteem? Is there anything in your life you hold as honor? Is there anything in your life holy? Is there anything in your life that you hold in high esteem? Jesus wants to be at the place of honor in your life. Put him there and God will make his home in you, making you holy. Set apart for the master's use. I want to talk to you next about what is freedom for. I mean, what's the big deal anyway, being free? Now, I know I'm in the South. Touchy subject in the South, but I'm going somewhere. What is the big deal about being free anyway? 
Freedom is overrated, isn't it? The children of Israel thought it was. Think about it. They were in bondage in Egypt. Remember, bondage is being restricted. Bondage is being enslaved. Bondage is saying you can't go here or you can't go there. The children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt just to turn around and be in bondage in the desert. Forty years in the desert. Promised lands over here. Guess what? You can't go because your unbelief, you're bound by unbelief and you can't go. You went from being bound in, in Egypt to bound in the desert. So my assessment is the children of Israel believe that freedom was overrated. I'd rather be a slave. Is it possible that some people are walking today thinking the same way? That, that freedom is overrated? I'd rather be a slave? Could you be sitting there thinking that freedom is overrated? I'd rather be imprisoned? And that's ridiculous. And yet, people do it. They do it. What's the big deal? What is freedom for anyway? Now, this morning, I'm not telling you that you're in sin. This morning, I'm not telling you that you're doing anything wrong. You see, sin this morning is simply not doing what God wants you to do. The devil's scheme is to make it more difficult than what it is. James 4, 17, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and does not do it, sins. That's too simple, isn't it? Stop it. No, I can't do that. I loved it. It's too simple. When, when, she, when that video was up, I was thinking about my sermon. Because it's too easy, and we don't want that. We don't want the. We want it to be so hard and so difficult. We want it to be this, this, this mysterious thing. Sin is doing the opposite of what God wants you to do. So no one can go, aha, I got you. Because no one knows, but you know. You know. There are so many things that you could be accused of, and all these things, people are waiting for someone to go, I got you. I caught you. And people come to church, and they hear the word of God. And if the pastor didn't preach something they're doing, okay, I'm cool. He didn't get me today. Maybe he'll get me next Sunday. Aha. That's not, that's not what we're here for. That's not what that the word of God is here for. As a matter of fact, I want to go deeper than that. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by anything. Can literally someone come and say, hey, gotcha, you're not eating right. Gotcha, you're watching too much TV. Gotcha, you're not reading your word. Gotcha, you're not in prayer. Who does that? But some, sometimes we expect that to be the case. And I'm going to tell you, friends, it will never be the case. It will never be the case until you decide that you will be mastered by nothing. I'm not going to be mastered by sweet tea or fried chicken. I'm not going to be mastered by anything. Netflix or Twitter. Facebook or the internet, I'm not going to be mastered by anything. And if there's anything that you are mastered by, if there's anything that you can't say no to this morning, you are bound. 
You can't say no to it. It's got you. I got people dying on me who can't say no to sweet tea. You lost your mind. You're dying. Your kidneys are gone. But, but I've got to have my, you got to have your what? You're dying. Stop smoking. Oh, I got to have it. They're bound. They're bound. I got to watch it. Bound. I got to have it. Bound. Imprisoned. Enslaved. Restricted. Bondage. Paul proclaims, like all who have been possessed by the all-consuming love of Christ, that he has chosen to be a slave. Romans 1.1, the Bible says that Paul announces himself as a servant. The New King James says bondservant. Someone else says a slave. Bondservant, servant, slave. What's the difference? This morning, what are you? You're a servant, a slave. You're going to be a servant or a slave to something. What did I say? What is freedom for anyway? What's the big deal anyway? Understand this. When you are free from sin, guess what? You choose who you will serve. You get to choose. Can it be that one is set free simply to choose one's own master? Is he your master this morning? Are you living the life of one who serves the master, the king of heaven, the king of earth? Luke chapter 4, 17 through 21. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set, sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. On that day, in his presence, after hearing him, they chose to reject their deliverance, thereby remaining prisoners to sin. Finally, I close this morning. What true freedom looks like? What does real freedom look like? Being a Christian set free by the love and sacrificial grace of Christ is an amazing transformation. And I don't have all the time to go into detail about how powerful and how wonderful it is to be free in Christ. But I can give you an example of what freedom looks like. Mark chapter 5. Maybe you know the scripture, maybe you don't. I'm going to go over the highlights, and then I'm going to focus on one point. The highlights are this, a demon-possessed man. He lived among the tombs. He could not be contained. He could not be controlled. He cut himself with stones. Everyone in that region knew about this man, and I believe Jesus purposely went to that region to set this man free. Jesus comes on the scene. The man runs to Jesus and falls at his, on his feet and falls at the, the feet of Jesus. Jesus says, what is your name? He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. A Roman legion is a unit of between 
three to 6,000 men. A Roman unit, a legion, between three to 6,000 men. And so we can assume that this man was possessed by three to 6,000 evil spirits. He bowed, a demon-possessed man bowed down to Jesus, declared him to be the most high God, and begged to be sent into a herd of pigs. And we won't go into the fact that the people were more upset that they were going to lose their pigs than the man was going to be delivered. That's another story. But I want to focus on, now remember I said that there are so many things that one can be bound by. There are thousands of things today that one can be bound by in this world. But rest assured, Jesus can set you free from all of them. Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Did he not beg to go with Jesus? The Bible says that he had a family. He, Jesus says, go home. Nuh-uh. I want to go with you. Go home to your family. No, I want to go with you. He's demon-possessed. He cares not about the clothes on his back or the shoes on his feet. Maybe he had no, whatever the case may be. He didn't care about what he has lost all these years to being possessed. He didn't matter. None of that mattered. All he wanted to do was go be with Jesus. The Bible says he begged. Let me go with you. Let me go with you. And Jesus was standing here right now, and he said, I'm going to show up for a little bit, and then I'm going, I'm going to be begging. Let me go with you. Let me go with you. If you saw his face, would you be begging? Let me go with you. Don't leave me here. Let me go with you. Like a little child, take me with you. Take me with you. Crying. The Bible says he begged, let me go with you. Jesus says, no, go home and tell them about me. Did he not instantly begin to serve the purposes of God, telling the good news about Jesus? Look what the Lord has done for me, and he can do the same for you. This is what freedom looks like. Freedom to follow Jesus. Freedom to preach Jesus. Freedom to serve the kingdom of God. This is what freedom looks like. If you're free this morning, you can proclaim the gospel. If you're free this morning, you can serve Jesus. If you're free this morning, nothing is holding you back from winning souls. If you're free. Now I mentioned some things that bind people. Money, work, hobbies. Keeps them from doing the Lord's work. All of this before the Holy Spirit was poured out. This man was free to preach Jesus. All of this before Bibles and churches. There is no reason not to have the word of God today. This man, all he had was his testimony, and he went and preached Jesus. He was willing to be a slave, sold out to Christ. Why? You know the answer. Because Jesus set him free, and if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If the Son sets you free, you are free forever. If the Son has not set you free, you are still in bondage. Bondage on hope. And so the question this morning is, has he set you free? Or is it simply religion? I didn't mention religion. 
I mentioned money. I mentioned work, possessions, hobbies. But I didn't mention religion. And it may very well be the worst of them all. Religion, the thing that we think will set us free, turns out to be the thing that binds so many souls. Religion. Without faith, without a devotion to Jesus Christ, all church attendance, tithing, the occasional prayer, all they are, empty, unoccupied religious acts. Bondage on holiness. And people like to do that. They love to think that they're free for a time simply to go back to their bondage. Your sin may not have you cutting yourself with rocks, but it does keep you from leading people to Jesus. And sin is not what someone says it is. It's what you say it is that holds you back from doing the will of God. That's what it is. Because if it's the will of God for you and you're not doing it, it's sin. And what is it that's holding you back from doing it? What is it that's keeping you out of the word of God? What is it that's keeping you out of prayer? What is it that's keeping you from winning souls to Jesus? Whatever it is, Jesus can set you free. People are bound. And when they are bound, they cannot proclaim the gospel. So when people are bound, they cannot lead people to Jesus. When people are bound, they cannot grow spiritually. When people are bound, they cannot honor the things of God. When people are bound, they cannot be holy. Unless the sun sets him free. This man has a purpose that lives inside him. A code of conduct. An honor that breathes. A holiness that lives and fills his house. Does he fill your house? The mistake we make sometimes is we're thinking about the house and not about the house. Does he fill your house? Is there something going on in your house that compels you to be a slave of Jesus in your house? Now, granted, I want a new house, but I got to deal with the one I got. And like I said earlier, there's no war being waged in you then there's the Spirit of God in you. The Holy Spirit will breathe in you a life of holiness if you let him, filled with honor and dignity and righteousness that comes from being freed by the Son. No bonds, no chains inside or out. The forever freedom that only Christ can provide. The freedom that causes you to wage war with the things that tempt you. Causes you to have victory over your flesh and anything that rises up against the knowledge of God. Is there something in you that rises up against the knowledge of God or do you just go with it? When things out in the world rise up against the truth about Jesus Christ, do you just... But there's something in you compelled to preach, proclaim, stand up, say, do something. A stirring in you. Do you have it? Are you free? A freedom that causes you to serve Jesus like a slave. It's no question when Jesus says do something. Oh, let me consider it. I'll get back to you. That's ridiculous if he's your Lord and master. Because the reality of is that you were bought and paid for in death. The death of Jesus Christ. I asked you, has the son set you free? Or are you living a life of bondage unholy? 
Has the sun set you free? Or are you living a life of bondage on hold? God bless you this morning. Will you bow your heads? Every head bowed, every eye closed in this place this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We go through year after year. I want to tell you right now, if you're in this place, under the sound of my voice, the year of the Lord's favor is this year right now. If there's anything that, that has ever held you back right now, you can be free from it. You can be free from the bondage of sin. You can be free from any bondage, anything that holds you back this morning. You can be free from it. Look at your life right now. Anyone in this place, if you're not saved, if you're not right with God, the hope of Jesus Christ is here for you this morning. But you've got to make the decision to come to Jesus Christ and lay the burden down. You have to come to Jesus Christ and admit, I'm a sinner. God, forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Is there anyone this morning? Get out of your seat. Come to this altar. When we sang the song this morning about come to the altar. Come to the altar this morning. Receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Tanya, will you come and play this morning? Praise the Lord. Only you know what binds you. Only you know what holds you back from doing the will of God. Holds you back from spiritual growth. Holds you back from prayer. Even holds you back from even coming to church and living the Christian life that you want to live. You know what holds you back. You need to be set free from it this morning. And only Jesus Christ can do that. Nothing you will ever do will set you free from that. You've got to accept Jesus Christ and let him set you free. Anyone at all, get out of your seat. Make your way to the altar. No one's looking around. No one's thinking about this or that. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Just get out of your seat. Make your way to the altar. If there's something that binds you, it's something that you can't say no to, you can lay it down at the altar this morning. Anyone at all. Jesus will set you free. Someone will pray with you. Bow your knee to Jesus Christ, your Lord, Savior, Anything at all, as ridiculous as it may sound, if it has you bound, you can't operate. You're restricted. You cannot do what God calls you to do, what God wants you to do. If there's anything, anything at all, you're literally telling the Lord, I can't grow spiritually. I can't spend more time in your word. I don't have the time, Lord. I work too much. Whatever the case is, if you'd have died today, would you make heaven your home? A decision to live for Jesus is something you make every day. If you were to die today, religious service will not get you to heaven. 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Well done means you did something well. But if you're bound, you can't do it. If you're not free to do it, you can't do it. And if the Son has not set you free, you're a bondage on hold. If the Son sets you free, you are free. You are free. And if that's you, get out of your seat. Come find a place of prayer. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus loves you this morning. Everything is permissible, but everything's not profitable. Everything is permissible, but I will be mastered by nothing. Nothing will master me other than Jesus Christ. If there's anything that masters you, you've got to get free. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we worship you, Lord, and we give you praise. These altars are open. Father, I worship you, Lord. Pray for my sister, Lord God. Pray you touch her, Lord God. Break all chains that bind me, Lord God. Here this morning for your service to be used by you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, I worship you, Lord. If there's anything you need to pray about, these altars are open. Father, I worship you, Lord.
Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing 